ein Mind. And he's, uh, he's blessed you in studies and showed you things. There's a teaching gifting upon you, and you're a man of great compassion. I see before you a number of doors that are uh, before you today, and God is going to release wisdom. God is going to release wisdom, exactly which door to choose. The footsteps of the righteous are order of the Lord, and you are a righteous man. You live before God, and you've hungered and, and longed for Him. The Lord's touching you today, and He's going to give you the wisdom you need. He's going to show you which way you need to go. And the effectual door will open, and it'll be glorious in His eyes and yours. I'm giving you favor with God and favor with man. You've got favor with man and favor with me, says the Lord. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. And then the other thing I see is that God's going to really anoint your time in the Word. And He's going to begin to show you pearls. Pearls of wisdom, pearls of great price. You're one who mines out the meat of the word. And you don't mind a hard word. I just see God's hand upon you. I bless you today. In Jesus' name. He said that was his prayer request. He said that was his prayer request that God would give me a word. Well, is the word fit? Yeah, you encouraged? Yeah, but I need to know left or right. Yeah, that's him. I can't tell you that one. <laughs> well, this is the house of the Lord. Yes. This is the place to come and ask for answers. Yes, it is. So you seek him. He'll show you maybe even through the message. Praise God. One more. I don't always prophesy over new people, but I just can't help myself. This precious couple over here. You knew I was gunning for you. Amen. <laughs> Favor of God also on you. I see... Um, there's been some conflict in your soul. There's been some things that you've been going through. And I see that the Lord has, uh, He makes a way of escape. And no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And when I say that, I, I don't sense that there's this big sin that you're trying to resist. But the Lord, is, the Lord has been speaking to you over a period of months, speaking to you and to your wife. Speedin's been speaking to you about new change and direction and wisdom. And you're one who never wants to undermine. One who, you're, you're like an errand. Like an Aaron and a her. You're a great man. And the Lord shows me the f- tremendous loyalty that you have. And there's been almost a, a ripping in your soul because you're standing with, with those who you've been committed to. But then there's a leading of the Lord. And, and I'm going to show you timing. And timing is important. Remember this now. Remember that the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. And I'm going to show you the timing. And you've waited and you've waited. And those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And God's releasing strength to you. He's touching you. I see Him touching your, your, uh, your extended family, your immediate family, but also your extended family. You're a, a woman, an intercessor, who's got a prophetic intercessory gift. And uh, God shows you things. And He's like the Peter. He just goes and slays it and charges ahead. And uh, you're one who, who really prays and covers Him. And you're a man of prayer too. And I just see God's hand upon you. And I hope that that encourages you today. Bless you. Amen. All right. Good. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. Second Kings. Second Kings chapter 6. Second Kings chapter 6. Look at verse, find verse 13. Are you all there? You ready? Set? Go. In fact, that's what it says. Go. Find out where he is. The king ordered, so I can send men to capture him. The report came back. He's a dolphin. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. 
when the servant of the man of God got up, he went out early the next morning with an army, with horses and chariots that surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what should we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid. The prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I want you to say that. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his, the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done by the power of your Spirit. Now in the moments that remain in this service, I ask, O oh God, that you would come and speak to us. Lord, we don't need another lecture or just another teaching. Lord, we need an, an impact, a download from heaven. Come on, lift your voice and ask God to speak to you today. Speak to us today. Speak to us today. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, just go ahead and do that right now. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There are certain messages that, that are paramount or essential uh, in this house and in the vision of KC. And this is one. When I played sports, we would do drills over and over and over and over. And those drills would teach you to actually do the actual thing in the game. And if you trained right and you trained hard, come on, my coach used to say, you play the way you practice. And so if you practice like a slacker, you didn't play too good on game day. And so there's certain calisthenics, if you will, certain messages that are set messages for a house. This message I'm going to preach to you, I have preached from this text and preached this message before. It'll be a little bit different this morning. It's a message that is a set word for this house. To understand this ministry and where we've come from and where we're going, you've got to understand this message that I preach to you today. The background of the text and what the text speaks about. The background is Elijah sabotages the king of Aram's plan. The king is attacking Israel and every time he goes to attack the prophet Here's what the strategy of the enemy is. He would tell the king and then they would cut off the attack and be ready for him when they're coming. And this had happened over and over and over and over again. And you can read this in the earlier verses. We picked up this text, 2 Kings 6, starting from verse 13. We picked it up and we see that the king is so fed up and frustrated that he wants to attack the prophet. So he sends an army to the city of Dothan where he is, where the prophet is, and his servant. Which is like a spirit of stupid, if you ask me. I mean, if the guy knows where, if the prophet knows where the enemy is attacking and you send an army to his house, don't you think he would know? So the city of Dothan is surrounded by an army for the purpose of capturing Elijah. And early in the morning, the prophet is sleeping in. And his servant arises, he wakes up and he goes outside and he sees this vast army and he responds with fear. Elijah's servant responds with fear. Fill in your notes. Do you all have notes? If you don't have notes this morning, slip your hand up. One of the ushers will bring that to you. We have notes. You go ahead and fill that in. This, there we have one hand right here. So if we could please 
Thank you. The servant, Elijah's servant, responds with fear. And what's interesting is that the response of Elijah is not one of fear. It's one of confidence. Because he saw something that the servant did. He responds with confidence because he had vision. He had what? He had vision. I want to talk to you about vision. I want to talk to you about having vision. Without vision, my people perish. I want to talk to you about walking in vision. The difference between Elijah and the servant was vision. The servant saw the armies of Syria. Elijah saw the armies of the Lord. For a moment today, God could open your eyes to see Him. The right door, the left door. If God could show you which way to go or give you a strategy, if you could open your eyes today, those who are discouraged will be discouraged no more. If you could see that there are more that are with you than those who are against you. If you could have your eyes open today by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, then you will be changed. You need to have vision. Come on, somebody say, give me greater vision. Give me greater vision. Vision is really the beginning of of a miracle. So let's define vision. What is vision? Two types of vision. A, the first one, a literal vision. Everybody say a literal vision. A literal vision. Paul... Not knowing which way to go, to go preach the gospel, he's hindered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says no. Some people don't think the Holy Spirit says no. The Holy Spirit can hinder you. The Holy Spirit can stop you. And you know, it's an unusual thing, really, because the Apostle Paul is going to preach the gospel. You think preaching the gospel is always in the will of God. It is always in the will of God, but like I told that couple, and I will tell you... The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. And you can go to do something that's very much in the will of God, but the timing's wrong, so it is wrong. Wrong timing. Wrong thing. So, the Apostle Paul wants to go and preach the gospel, but it's the wrong timing. So the Holy Spirit stops him. He's hindered. And so they're praying, and he has this vision. It's It's a literal vision. A vision of the Macedonian man. And they discern. Discernment is the gift to be able to tell that which is evil or that which is good. Or discerning or hearing the voice of the Lord. He has a literal vision where this Macedonian man bids him to come to preach the gospel. They took that as the word of the Lord and they went and they preached. By the way, had he not gone to do that, then God would not have put together the entire apostolic team of the Apostle Paul to then get to Ephesus where he wanted to go to begin with. He set him up. Come on, somebody say it's a setup. Come on, you might be delayed, but you're not denied. Sometimes I want things to happen right away, but God will lead me on a seeming rabbit trail and then set me up so that I'm ready for when I get to the Ephesus. Then it, then all you hear is the sucking sound of kaboom. God does His miracle. I wanted the miracle a few months before, a few years before. The Apostle Paul go, takes his trip, gets his apostolic team, returns to Ephesus. It is the greatest revival in all of the New Testament. Wow. A literal vision. Maybe you've had a literal vision. God does give literal visions. There are people that have never had a literal vision and maybe never will. I don't understand why God gives literal visions to some people and to other people. It's different. But I will tell you the next kind of vision everybody can have. The next kind of vision is not a literal vision, it's a hope vision. Say it with me. A what? A hope vision. What is that? It's a sense of what God wants you to do in your heart. It's not the Macedonian man or some angel standing before you to say, 
Pastor Vince, rise and go to Anchorage. No, that, that's not what happened. That's not why we went to Anchorage. We, we went to Anchorage because we had a, in our hearts, we had this hope. Everybody say a hope. We had a hope. A hope vision. A burning burden. A yearning to see God move in Anchorage. A burning a yearning to see God move in Fairbanks, to see God move in the state, to see God move in Spain. That's our newest international extension. To see God move in the nations of the earth. A hope vision. You see, hope is the goal and faith is the action. I've done this before. I will do it again. If this is my hope to get to the microphone and I'm over here, that's my hope. I hope to get there. The action you take is faith. Faith is the action you take. Faith is not sitting on your, on your couch, Sean dying and listening to Hillsong CDs and hoping that God's going to translate you over there. Right? Faith, faith is like, I, I'm, I, I believe I'm going to make it. And you take steps of faith. And you, you keep taking a step of faith. Your hope is that you would own a house. Well, then you look on Craigslist. You work to improve your credit. You, you, you take care of things. You do what you can do. You save your money. That's the, that's the, the hope is the house. The step is saving money. Working hard. Tithing. Being diligent. Correcting your credit if you need to. The hope is that your family would get saved. Live right. Stop being mean and nasty to them. Hey, share the gospel with them. Pray for them. Fast for them. Share the gospel with them and they just get saved. Hey, that's your hope. Your hope is, is what, your, what your goal is. Faith is the, the action that you take. How many of you have a hope? A hope that your family gets saved. A hope that you'd be able to start a business. A hope that revival would come. That's the hope I have. I have a hope that God is going to actually build this pipeline from the North Slope to Valdez in the Spirit. I have a hope for a great reformation in this land. I'm not here just to play church. I'm not here just to just to just go, Oh, Jesus loves me, which is one of the greatest songs I know. Yes. We're here to take over, to win, to see people lost saved. To see the broken healed, the lame walk, the blind to see, the dead to rise. We're here to expand the kingdom. A hope vision, a literal vision. Vision is the beginning of a miracle. Say that with me. Vision is the beginning of the miracle. God gives vision before He brings about a miracle. And I'm going to give you three Old Testament examples this morning. The first one coming from Genesis chapter 15. A man by the name of Abram. Abram later, later becomes Abraham. And in Genesis 15, God is speaking to him and say, I, I am your exceedingly great reward, the Lord says. And from you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring forth this multitude. Yet Abraham was beyond the age of child being able to make children. His wife was beyond the age of childbearing. And so it was seemingly hopeless, but God spoke to them and said, You will have offspring. You will have children. You will not leave your inheritance to Eleazar. And, and he's like, well, that's nice. And he brings him outside his tent. He says, come outside. I think it's verse 6. 
Abram comes outside the tent of the Lord and says, look up. He looks up. And he says, your descendants will be more numerable than the stars. So he looked up. Has anybody ever tried to see all the stars? Have you ever tried to count all the stars? He knows everyone by name. Oh yeah, I know scientists say that some die and, 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 and they're gone, but really they're missing and they don't know where they've gone. A hundred thousand light years just across our, our, just across our galaxy. One second of the sun's energy is more energy that's been produced in the entire history of mankind. Entire history. One bolt of lightning is enough, enough power to, to power a city of 100,000 for a year. I read that. I don't know if it's true, but amazing. God. God. He's a big God. And so he brings Abram Abram out and he says, Look up, look at all of the stars. More numerable will the stars be. More more descendants within the stars you will have, he says to him. Every time Abram went outside, every time the clouds parted and he saw the stars, God spoke. Why? Why would why would God do that? He gave him vision. He gave him vision to put faith in his heart. You've got to have vision. You've got to be able to see what God wants you to see. showed him Canaan's land and the reason he shows us and he gives us vision hope vision, literal vision the reason he does that is because a miracle begins when hope is established in your heart when you believe when you begin to have hope it releases faith if you lose hope hope deferred makes the heart sick if you lose hope listen there's no hopeless situations this morning or tonight or ever. There's only people that have grown hopeless over what has taken place. God is a God of all hope. The next Old Testament, Saint Joseph, one of my heroes. Joseph had dreams. God would give him vision through dreams. Sheaves bowing down. Stars bowing down. Like, you know, God could have just made it all happen. He didn't do that. You know, God could just bring you to the place where where he wants you to be. Poof. Bam. You'd be there. Why, why, why is it that God requires us to cross over the Jordan at flood stage? Why is it that God requires us to partner with him? He wants to partner with you. Come on. He wants to partner. He wants to hook up with you. He wants to hook up with you to produce the kingdom. He could do it all by himself. I remember this guy said, Hey, Pastor, I don't know about God. If God's all-powerful, then how come Satan still exists? Why is there still evil if God's all-powerful? The answer to that is very simple. God could do away with evil today. He'd have to kill every one of us and there'd be no evil. So Joseph had these dreams, had these, these encounters that gave him vision, and he was able to stand. And as a result, embracing the wealth of Egypt, saving Israel in a time of famine. Jacob, Genesis 37, you can turn there. Jacob, Jacob the deceiver. We just had a men's encounter. We had men got together. We went through a series of messages over the weekend. What a powerful, life-changing time it was. One of the messages there was about this man, Jacob. Jacob was always trying to get 
his way. Trying to, he was always grasping the heel. He, he was a heel grasper coming out of the womb. He would grasp at his brother Esau. Esau was the hairy guy. Remember the hairy guy Esau? He grasped at his heel coming out of the womb and was always striving and butting heads. Jacob was raised in the tents, meaning that he was raised learning the word of God, educated. Esau was a hunter, very dysfunctional family. His father, Isaac, loved his son, Esau, more than he loved Jacob. But Jacob's mother loved him. And Jacob constantly was striving to get ahead, constantly trying to get ahead. Well, on this one occasion, you'll see in Genesis 37, Jacob goes to his uncle Laban's house and he makes a deal with Laban. The deal was to marry his daughter. He ends up getting deceived reaping what he sowed, by the way. And he makes this deal. And the deal is Uncle Laban's going to give him all the spotted and the speckled goats. And Uncle Laban's going to get all the, all the, the, the straight colored ones. The, the not speckled. Not spotted. And so Jacob takes two sticks and he peels the bark from the two sticks and he sticks two sticks in front of a watering trough. And his belief was that when the animals would come and drink from the watering trough, they would see the multicolored sticks that he peeled the bark off of and that would release in their genetic code spotted and speckled goats and sheep. Now, I am not a geneticist. I don't know too much about dioxyribonucleic acid, adenine, thymine, guanine, and cytosine. I know a little bit. That's pretty good, huh, Doc? Huh? All right. Uh. But I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident that sticks don't change your DNA. Huh? You're like, if that works, I'm getting some for my mother-in-law. Hallelujah. I'm just going to hold it for a while. Hallelujah. Just stare at these moms. Just keep staring at them. I'm teasing you. I got the greatest mother-in-law. All mother-in-laws are great. Everybody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He puts two sticks and he believes that that's going to release spotted and speckled offspring in his livestock. And it does. Now you think about that. It doesn't affect your genetic code, but you know what it was? His hope was that God was going to prosper him. His hope was that God was going to bring him to a place of great blessing. Do you remember the microphone? His hope was that God was going to pour out blessing for him. His act of faith was to take the two sticks and jam it in front of the water trough. And God did it. Amazing. Before miracle comes vision. Now why? Look at... Look at your notes. Why does God do things this way? It's His nature to do so. What do you mean it's His nature? Study the Word of God. Genesis on through. You will find that what God does is called Word, Event, Word. It's a big German theological word that I can't remember. That defines that the definition of that is Word, Event, Word. God will speak. Let there be light. Bam! There's light. Then God speaks again, event, word, event, word. He'll speak to a Moses and he'll say, I want to make you the deliverer. He'll speak to him at a burning bush. I'm sending you back to Egypt. I've heard the cry of my people. 
I've come now to deliver them. He goes, he defeats the largest, strongest nation in the earth. He returns to Sinai. God speaks again. That is how God speaks. God speaks, releases vision. You take action, and then he releases vision again. He's word, event, word. Say it. Word, event, word. He said, I don't like it that way. I want to go to Z right now. Yeah. You see, the thing is, if you don't follow A and B, you never get C. And some of you are waiting for the next word for you, but God already spoke to you, and you're just waiting to get something different. And have you, I've done that before. I'm like, hallelujah, that's a great word I got. And I, yeah, Lord, nevertheless, let this cup pass from me. Get me something else. I want to get there another way. It's his nature to do so. And each step that you take is a further disclosure of who God is and his ways. Visions progressive, ladies and gentlemen, brethren. Visions progressive. What do you mean by that? I mean that when you begin to respond and take steps towards the vision, towards your hope, then God releases the next step. And I've found that when I get to the goal, when I finally get to it, all of a sudden, there's more on the horizon. And God's telling me, now that's good. Now let's do this. Vision's progressive. We have a message that's preached in this house called progressive apostolic vision. You see, because God tells you to do something, gives you vision to do it, you begin to move. And just before you're there or as you're arriving, he shows you the next line, shows you the next place. Vision's progressive. It's just the way God is. Somebody say, that's the way God is. That's that's just the way He is. It's God's way of saying, I believe, that we're important to Him. Look, you're important to God. God could do it all by Himself, and He doesn't need you or me. But God didn't want to do it that way. He designed it that way. And furthermore, God will not do what you can do. He will not do it. And many people are asking God to come and do this, but He's actually given you the power, the authority to move and step in faith. He will not do what you have to do for yourself. He just won't. Some of you, the enemy's running roughshod all over your life, all over your family. Thinking actually it's the will of God. Oh God, I love you and trust you. He's given you power. Whatsoever things you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever things will be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Some of you need to get off of the couch and take the authority that God has given you. Begin to take authority over the enemy and drive, evict him out of your children's lives. Evict him out of your life. Evict him out of your business. Some of you need to rise in a new God-given, blood-bought right in the authority that God's purchased for you. Sometimes we wait for God just to bless us, and I'm thankful for His sovereignty. But frankly, the truth is God wants you to get up and begin to make decrees. Decree a thing it says in the book of Job, and it shall be established. Begin to make statements of faith and take steps of faith and action to see your life change, to see your family change, to see the enemy broken off of this community. Come on, somebody! We just want it to happen. God said, look, this is a 70 to 80 year internship. You're in an internship. This is not it. No, it comes later. You will, you, we will all die. We have that in common here, every one of us here. But you will live forever. Where you live is dependent upon who you lived for, whether you chose Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. 
But the truth of it is this. You're in an internship right now, and that you will eventually graduate. That would be your death. And when you go on into eternity, it's to rule and reign with Christ. That's what the purpose is. So when you're in the middle of a difficult situation, and God's trying to get you to grow, He's trying to get you to be more like Him. He's trying to produce His character in Him. Do you know that you will judge do you know that you will, you, will, you will have rulership? You will rule the earth with Him. The new, new heaven, new earth. You will, you will be there, ruling and reigning with Christ. This is an internship. It's a test. Because God, we're important to God. He likes partnering with us. By God giving us, look at see, by God giving us vision, He's testing to see if we'll believe Him or not. It's never God's intention for you to fail. It's always God's intention for you to to pass the test. Every one of us are in a test right now. And the good news is that if you fail, you get to take it again. (laughs) I'm going to go encourage myself. Hallelujah. That's a good word, Pastor. Yeah. You get to take it again. When I I was in... in, uh, in sports, you know, if the whole team didn't do their very best in, tra- in, in practice, then we would just have to work harder and practice would be longer. And we had this friend of mine, he's a friend today, Peter. He was, he, he was always last. When he would run, he would just be like, literally, jogging. It was so slow. He could have done better. Great athlete. And so the coach would say, well, Peter's bringing in the rear again. Take another lap. Everybody's like, you jerk. You know, hurry up. When we fail, you know, it's just like the Lord's like, oh, that's all right. Take another lap, man. You can do it. <laughs> I believe you can pass the test this next time. And we would take lap after lap until, until some of us would stand, run next to Peter. We would run next to him. And I'd, I'd, I remember grabbing his arm. Grab his arm and go, dude, you won't finish the lap with me now. And we just like we just start running. He's like, I can't run that fast. Oh yes, you can. And and have another guy, and sometimes we'd be almost dragging him. And that was good with the coach, as long as we finished together as a team. We won championship games. It was amazing. God wants you to win. God wants you to win the championship. But you can't win without passing tests. I think God partners with us, gives us vision, and as you pass those tests of vision and taking steps of faith, He releases more to you. He elevates you. He raises you up. He gives you greater anointing. He releases provision. Vision release is provision. Provision is always there for the vision that God has. Sometimes hard to find, but there's always a ram in the thicket. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. God wants you to believe Him. I think the second reason is is that vision encourages us when times are difficult. Vision encourages us when times are difficult. I told you about the vision that God gave me. It really is an encounter with the Lord. When I was on the island of Kauai, I was running, and I had a vision of this pipeline word came to me as I was near AI Road up in Kalaheo, which is a message all by itself. And that vision motivated my wife and I. My wife had an encounter at the similar time, similar and same time. And we come to understand that God wanted us to move up to Alaska. We came. We moved here. I've told the story many times before. But when we finally got here all as a family, I 
we became the pastor here in October. But the whole family really didn't get here, settled all the stuff on the water, shipping up until the first week of January. We arrived, it was 10 degrees and a snowstorm. We got back to our little apartment on Roy Road. Everybody was wiped out from the flight. We put the family to sleep. My wife passed out and I walked outside the front door. And I thought, I just want to feel the spiritual atmosphere now that I'm here. And I I stood out at 10 degrees in a pair of board shorts and and flip-flops with a t-shirt. You know, I was next to the door. I was going to go back inside soon. And I put my hands up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Spiritual atmosphere. I just wanted to, like, I'm here now. I'm not visiting. Now I'm here. And I'm never going back to the Garden Island, one of the most beautiful islands in the whole world. I walk outside and I lift my hands. I say, hallelujah, God, I'm here. And all I can hear is, you are the stupidest man. You're stupid. I thought, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, God, you're stupid. You left revival on Kauai. Church was hopping. Amazing. Great. You left revival for this. You're stupid. And I just went, oh, no, 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 no. And I just had to, I remember taking a step and I just said, God, you're bringing revival here. Lord, you showed me a a picture of the pipeline. I prophesied the very vision that God gave me. Vision can encourage you and times are difficult. I thought that was difficult, but a few months later, it really got difficult. Was driving our church truck to Delta Junction. I was on the way back. It was a balmy 45 below zero. And on my return... The church truck gasoline froze or something. I think the congregation is trying to kill me. They never told me about putting heat in. You got to put this little red stuff in the tank. Yeah. And and cardboard in front of your grill. They just said, have a nice time in Delta. (laughs) Bye. They're like, yes. No, I'm teasing you. Driving back, the church truck dies. I was with my mother and Jason Adair, who will be up here over this next year. Oh, by the way, Jason and Mandy Adair, they're, they're, they're pregnant. They're having a baby. So. so my mother got in the truck uh, with Jason, and they drove off maybe 40 miles outside of Glen Allen. And when they drove off, I thought, I think I probably should have been in that truck right there. No cell phone service, right? Three hours at 40-plus below zero. I had my stupid outfit that I got in to try to keep myself warm, which did not work. And I invented jumping jacks behind the steering wheel of a GMC 2500 pickup truck, which was an ugly thing. Nothing worked. I began to get cold. I started worrying about frostbite. I couldn't feel my legs, really. I couldn't feel my hands. I had gloves. I was doing everything I could. I couldn't, I couldn't get warm. So I started getting afraid. I hate fear. The fear of the Lord I like. The other kind of fear, I don't like it. So I'm sitting there going. And the sun had gone down. I should have stopped the last car, but I didn't. And now there's no more cars. I don't know if they've gone off the road. My cell phone doesn't work. And I'm like. I start praying in tongues, which is a good idea. I probably should have done that an hour before that. But no, I suffered for a little while. And then I, then I don't know what happened. I, I, I just got bent. I got irritated. I, I snapped. I just thought, I didn't leave the Garden Island to freeze to death. I left the Garden Island for a revival. There's only 30 people in the church. This certainly can't be it. 
And so I started prophesying. God, you brought me up here for revival. Lord, you said, I preached three messages, took an offering. People got saved that weren't there. You know what I'm talking about? My mother went nuts. I went ballistic. The ice on the inside of the truck was like an inch thick from all the frost I was, you know, the fog I was putting out. And in Jesus' name, and when I finished, I was like, ah, hey, hallelujah, I'm warm. Vision will encourage you in difficult times. And when you're facing something that you don't know how to get through, that vision, God will bring it to you. And you begin to speak it forth. You begin to declare. You begin to proclaim. And you will find faith begin to rise in your heart. A state trooper pulled up just as I said amen, practically. That's how I remember it. I said amen. I see a car. I got out. I'm getting in this car. If we go back to Delta, that's good. But I ain't staying here. I had, a, I had a, a local guy tell me, hey, if it ever gets bad, Pastor, you just start lighting tires on fire. Then you pull the seats out and you light them on fire. I thought, I never thought about that. The state trooper pulls up, cracks his window about this far. I'm outside going, hey. He goes, are you cold? I said, yeah. Yeah, I'm cold. And, he's, and he pulls out a granola bar and he says, your mommy told me to give this to you. And he slides me. True, true story. Slides me a granola bar. And uh, he got me in the back of the car. I warmed myself. And, and uh, anyway, we live to tell the story. Hallelujah. Come on, vision will encourage you when things are difficult. Look at three. When vision is fulfilled, who gets the glory? God gets the glory when vision is fulfilled because it's really clear and evident. And you and I didn't really do it except obey. We co-labor with Him. Now, it's not all God either. Good. I'm going over here. It's not all God. Don't look at me like I'm blaspheming. It's not all God. You ever heard that? It's all God. It's all God. It's all... It is not all God. What do you mean? You have a will. You choose. You choose whether you obey. You choose whether you disobey. You choose whether you're going to follow the vision, whether you take steps of faith. God's not going to make you do anything. You choose. And so when, it come, when, when, the, when the full release comes, yeah, He gets the glory. But you have to partner with Him. Remember? You have to partner with Him. You have to pray. You've got to give. You've got to take steps of faith. You've got to do your part. This revivalist came to a church. young couple was there. They got saved oh, about a month earlier. And the guy just preached and the place got touched and... It was an awesome thing. And the young couple came up to the, the revivalist, evangelist guy and said, That was the best message we have ever heard. And the, and the evangelist says, Well, it's all God. It's all God. It's all God. And the couple looked at each other like, Well, it wasn't that good, but it was good. You've got to understand vision, and I, I'm going to bring this to a close here in just a moment. You've got to understand vision in this ministry. We didn't have one penny to come to Alaska. We never had a penny to go to Anchorage. We never had... God provides, and the giving and the, and the resources in this church are just on this amazing climb. It's a miracle from God. We snap every dollar in about five or six pieces. We help a number of different churches. We stretch. We work diligent. We work hard. And it's a, it's a glorious thing. But understand that if you wait for all the ducks to get in a row before you take your step 
of faith to move towards your hope, to move towards your vision, you just might not ever get your ducks in a row. If you, if you wait till your ship comes in, your ship, understand, has sank. Your ship sank. You're waiting for your ship to come in. It sank. God's waiting for us. Peter could have never walked on the water unless he got out of the boat. And I will tell you, at KC, we we don't need a cheering squad. We need people to get out of the boat. We need people that are full of vision. We don't just need somebody just riding the pew. And granted, we all start that way. Amen. I'm challenging you. What is in your heart? What, 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 is it? what desire do you want to see God do in your family? Get vision. Don't be afraid. Be somebody of confidence. And know, more are with you that are against you. Now let me just close by giving you the four ways that, that vision comes. How does vision come? You have to keep in mind, first of all, that vision's a fight. If vision is a key to releasing faith and miracles, how many of you know the ugly one doesn't want you to have vision? The devil doesn't want you to have vision, so he will fight you to get vision. God gives vision four ways. The first way is through a burden. Everybody say a burden. Would you come? The second way is through a challenge. Everybody say a challenge. The fourth and third way is through a prophetic word. Through a what? Through a prophetic word. The fourth way is through an experience, either personally or vicariously. A burden. Nehemiah got a burden to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and in 52 days he did it. He had vision. It came through a burden. God can give you a burden. You can see a need, and it becomes vision for you, a hope vision, and you can move forward. Through a challenge, David and Goliath. David and Goliath. David faced Goliath. The uncircumcised Philistine had a different view, had a different perspective. What do you mean he's defying the armies of God? What are you talking about? Why doesn't somebody go and kill him? God's with us. He had this challenge. God can put a challenge in your heart to give you vision, to give you a hope vision. Through a prophetic word. Anybody else? Anybody got a prophetic word? Yeah. Have I got a stack of tapes? Prophetic words. Maybe you need to go back over them. What is God really saying to you? By the way, not every word that you receive from somebody who's prophesying is the word of the Lord. You have to weigh that. You have to weigh it. You have to weigh it. It needs to be judged. I do like asking, when I, did that hit? Because it's good. We judge the word. It should always line up with the word of God. shouldn't be contrary to God's word. If it is, you throw that out. And I've gotten words that were straight from the Lord, three quarters of them, the other 25%. Flush. Everybody say flush. Flush. God can give you a vision through a prophetic word. He can give you a vision through experience. What do you mean? Through personally, vicariously. You hang out with people that have vision, vision gets on you. You hang out with people of faith, faith gets on you. You can't hear a message like this and not get stirred and understand that, man, God wants to do something great. And the way that He begins to do that great thing, the way that He begins to do that miracle, is He releases vision to you and then He puts it in your heart and you begin to pray. He gives you desires. A desire. Whatsoever things you desire, pray that you believe that you'll have them and you have. Delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you the desires of your heart. Be around vision. A church that doesn't have vision is absolutely dead. 
I will tell you something's worse than being in a dead church. The worst thing about something worse than being in a dead church I preached on it a couple of Tuesdays ago. Something that's worse than being in a dead church, a visionless church, is being in a church that is full of life, full of power, full of vision, and it doesn't move you. And you never get involved, and you never do anything, and you never change your life, and you settle for where you are. That's worse. Let me conclude. True vision is the work of the Holy Spirit. You've got to keep it burning. Keep the Holy Spirit vision burning. How? Number one, you see A, are you with me? If you're with me, say amen. Moving quickly in this last part. One, by seeking the Lord through fasting and prayer. By seeking the Lord through fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer is just part of the discipline of living for Jesus. If you don't fast and pray, you will limit what God wants to do in your life. Fasting and prayer is key. It's a mandate. Jesus said, they will fast. It's a command, really. I know of no better way to have a breakthrough than to fast and pray. The second way to keep vision burning brightly is to have others pray for us. Have others pray for you. Be accountable with people. Have relationship with people. When you start, when you start having difficulty or frustration or your vision starts getting blurry, get prayer. My wife and I, she's my number one prayer partner. We pray for each other. If we start feeling discouraged, we don't stand around there and just twiddle our thumbs and hope it goes away. We take authority over that the enemy comes with discouragement to keep you from vision. You gotta pray for each other. Everybody say you gotta pray for us. You gotta pray for each other. You gotta pray for yourself. You gotta pray for somebody else. Write it down. Everybody say, write it down. Speak it forth. Say, speak it forth. What is God going to do? Oh, I'm not sure. I hope it's... Some... No, 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 no. What's, what's the burden that's in your heart? What's the hope? What is God going to do? He's going to touch my kids. They're going to come back to the Lord. And we're all going to serve God together. What is God going to do? He's going to pay off all my debts. He's going to wipe out, eradicate my debt. And He's going to raise me up to be somebody who has a great impact in the kingdom. What is God going to do? He's going to save my husband. He's going to save that scoundrel. He's going to save him. He's going to save you. You begin to declare it. Speak it forth. Write it down. Make it plain. Come on. It says in the Old Testament, was it Haggai? Write the vision down and run with it. And the last point. By acting on the vision you have. How do you keep vision burning brightly? Take steps of faith. Worship team, would you come? We're going to sing this. Stand up on your feet.
wants to give a resurrection to some of the vision that you've had. It's died off and you're realizing it's dead and you're going, that really was from God. So how do you how do you know it's from God? Because all of a sudden it's beginning to beat in your heart again. All of a sudden you're thinking, man, I let go of that. I got discouraged. But it was a vision from the Lord. If that's you and you just want to be strengthened in that, you're saying, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to move forward towards what God said to me. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, but you but you got discouraged. I want you to come. We're just going to pray. You've got vision, but you got discouraged. Come on, come. coming from where we came from, we just, we just didn't have any. I mean, it's like, what do you hope for? Um, you know, when I came into the church, I'm like, I hope we can make it another week. What are you hoping for? I would say, um, I'm hoping my pulse stays. <laughs> what are you hoping for? I mean, my, my, my vision was like really small. But then I got yoked up. Got connected with guys that were believing to change the state, believing to change the nation, the nations, to do missions trip, believing for their whole family to get saved. And I thought, man, what's my problem? I just want to breathe. Because I've been so crushed and so wounded that I didn't really have any vision. And all of a sudden I started to dream. I started to dream. I have a dream of children dancing in the street and the glory of God coming. I have a dream of God touching America and restoring the family of abortion being defeated in the court system. I have a dream of a generation that will rise, a young generation of Joshua's, a young generation of Joseph's that will dream and take authority over the works of the enemy. I have a dream for revival, for an awakening to come to America, for an awakening to come to the nations of the earth. I have a dream. I think about it. I dream of revival in Wasilla. I dream of revival. I have a vision of that. It started with nothing. If you realize today that you need vision for your life without vision, you perish. Some of you are perishing and you need vision. Step out from where you're standing. Come to the front as we continue to 
future. God's got a great plan for you, son. And it's almost as if you've been pierced through by a number of arrows that have flown your way. The Lord today is saying He's pulling the arrows out. He's going to heal your heart and He's going to raise you up. you, You were knit together while you were yet in your mother's womb. And God knows you. He knows the plans He has for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. Not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. So lift your head for your redemption draws nigh. Call on the name of the Lord and He will do marvelous things. Call upon me and I will answer you. Jeremiah 33, and I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. This is your season. This is the hour where if you'll just say yes, you just say yes to him, you watch and see what he'll do. You've been discounted by some, misunderstood by others. God has got great creativity and anointing that is within your bones. There's a call of God upon your life, and you said that is the last thing I want. You've said that at times, but there's joy coming to you. This is your season, son. This is the hour. Come on, lift your hands, kid. Come on, lift your hands. Holy Spirit, touch him right now. Trent, lay hands on him. Touch him right now. Break off discouragement. Break it off in the name of Jesus. Release your power right now, God. Release your power right now. Fire. Jesus, do it in his life. close the service this morning. I want to give an opportunity for those who might not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So if you're here and you've never given your heart to God, I plead with you. I plead with you to get right with Jesus. This is not some religious thing we do. We're not just here because we should go to church. We're here because we genuinely love God and we genuinely love people. And I want to tell you that God loves you. He loves you. Your sin separates you from God. He can't have fellowship with unrighteousness. He can't have fellowship with sin. So your sin, the lying, everybody ever lied? Yes, we all have. Stolen? We all have. You lusted? Yes. Taken the Lord's name in vain? Yes. We have all broken God's commandments. Everyone. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person. But you can have your sins forgiven. You can have them wiped out, washed as white as snow. Though your sins be as scarlet as it says in the book of Isaiah, I'll wash them and make them as white as snow. Though your sins be like crimson, like blood, I'll make them as white as wool. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, it says in the, in the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul said, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. If you're not right with God, give your heart to Jesus today. For the first time or in a recommitment, stop playing church. Don't play church.
Don't do it. Give your heart to Jesus afresh. If you're not 100% confident that you're headed to heaven, then you need to get right with God now. No man knows the time. Man is given but one life to live. Choose him now. Choose him now. If that's you, you want to get right with God, perhaps you're online. You want to get right with God, giving your heart to him for the first time, or number two, make a recommitment. If that's you, all across this place and those online, slip your hand up. Just slip your hand up. You say, that's me, Pastor. Would you pray for me, anybody on this side? All right. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand. Thank you for your honesty. Don't want to embarrass anybody. I see your honesty. Thank you. I see that hand. But it's important to make a commitment. If you can't acknowledge that you want to give your heart to Jesus and you're going to live for him in front of people, be very hard to do it out in a world where they just can't stand it. Come on, let's pray. Say with me right out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. And thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit. Touch your people. Touch your people, Lord. Heal that broken heart. Where the hope has been deferred, heal that broken heart. Fill them right now. You're the healer. You're my Savior. You're my deliverer, my deliverer, my son and shield, my son and shield, my rock. Fill your people. Fill them. His burden is easy and His yoke is light. His burden is easy and His yoke is light. His burden is easy and His yoke is light. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. His burden is easy and His yoke is light. His burden is easy and His yoke is light. His burden is easy and His yoke is light. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. worship him for a moment. We're closing. Pastor Karen, would you come? Yes, it is. <laughs> there's joy in the presence of the Lord. And at his right hand, the Bible says there's pleasures forevermore. Come on. 
Sing it one more time. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. Yes, it is. One more time. Declare it. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. His burden. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Woo! <laughs> Take someone by the hand. <laughs> Don't miss tonight. Six o'clock service. Revival continues. <laughs> God is good. God is a good God. He's releasing vision. It's the beginning of your miracle. Release hope. Faith. Keep it burning brightly. Go for it. Dream big. Amen. Father, we thank you for what you've done today. Bless your people, O God. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' holy name, amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. We'll hope to see you tonight. Tuesday night, Dr. James Morocco is going to be here. You do not want to miss that. Tuesday night, 7.30 right here. God bless you. Praise the Lord.